Hey everybody, before we get started this evening, I wanted to thank you all so much for tuning in. Our topic, of course, is esotericism, and it is this huge umbrella term for many different beliefs and philosophies, and it's going to be the theme for our next several shows. In a way, you could say that this show is esoteric within itself. Hmm, interesting. But you'll have to continue listening to find out. I hope you all enjoy the episode. I really had a lot of fun researching this topic, and I'm excited that this is our launching point for our spiritual journey together. So, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Esotericism. We gon' figure it out. It's time to figure it out. Try anyway. Here we go. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Figuring It Out. Today, we are beginning our journey down the rabbit hole of man's mind to seek answers for the unanswered questions of life. So, for the past few weeks, I've been thinking where I want to kick things off, and I keep coming back to esotericism. I've always been interested in mysticism and spirituality and fringe sciences sort of a hobby, and I always knew that these movements were related to esotericism in some way. But aside from that, I had no idea what esotericism was, and I was very surprised to find out how huge of a concept it is, and how much it's encompassed, and how much it's important when looking at the development of human thought and spirituality. In this episode, we're going to do two things. We're first going to try to nail down what esotericism is, and then we're going to quickly go through its development throughout history. So to start with defining esotericism, let's go over what it's not. So the exact opposite of eso is exo, which should be pretty familiar to us. Exo meaning external or from the outside. It's where we get words like exit or exoskeleton. Exotericism means knowledge that is outside. It is information that is available to everyone. In terms of faith or spirituality, exoteric faiths do not focus on inner exploration. They focus on obeying the rules and the laws that God or a higher power has laid down for you. Exoteric ideology is also one that is open to everyone and it's not uh, hidden or concealed. Esotericism, then, is just the exact opposite. It's not about the laws and direction from a higher power. It's more rebellious. Esotericism is knowledge that is within. It is about knowledge from personal exploration. And it's oftentimes knowledge that's hidden and not openly shared. But unfortunately, esotericism is much bigger than this definition could describe. And the best way that I've found to understand esotericism is to put it on a spectrum of human thought. So bear with me and use your imagination, but let's imagine that there is a spectrum of human thought, and at one end there is faith or doctrinal religion, and at the other end there is science or logic. Religion or faith is the explanation of our world through things that cannot be proven, and science is the exploration of our world through things that can be proven. On this spectrum of human thought, esotericism falls in the absolute middle because what esoteric philosophers try to do is to interact with the spiritual world in a scientific way they want to experience and engage with the spiritual dimensions 
through proven experiences and methods and rituals that give them personal answers to life's toughest questions. Um, the esoteric philosopher is seeking answers for himself, and he's trying to develop and better himself only. As we move into our next section, and we start talking about the history and development of esotericism, um, I want you to keep that spectrum of human thought in your mind. Because what we're going to see is that when there are major faith or scientific development, esotericism evolves and claims new territory in the human psyche. To begin our journey uh, in the history of esotericism, let's start at the root with the Roman Empire. So, of course, at its height, the Roman Empire was gigantic. It encompassed all these different people and cultures, and thus it encompassed many different beliefs and religions. While the official religion of Rome was a spinoff of Greek mythology, there were many hybrid beliefs throughout the empire. And these hybrid beliefs had little traction, and they didn't really ever become faith powerhouses because they only catered to a small group of culturally sim similar people. But all that changed when Christianity came on the scene. Unlike smaller faiths throughout the Roman Empire, Christianity was very different. It was easy to follow, it was easy to understand, and it was appealing to everybody. Poor people, rich people, everybody loved Christianity. Because Christianity was so radical, it really changed how people thought. And those small hybrid religions that had existed throughout the empire became emboldened by the challenges that Christianity laid down for the Romans. Around this time, esoteric beliefs that grew out of those hybrid religions, like Hermeticism, Neoplatonism, and Gnosticism, rose up in the wake of Christianity and even adopted Christian themes. Although Christianity was really changing how people think, it was stifled and outlawed by the Roman Empire along with those other religions. However, in 312 CE, shit got real crazy when Emperor Constantine declared Christianity to be the official religion of Rome. With Christianity no longer suppressed, it started spreading through the world like wildfire. And if we fast forward to the Middle Ages, we see that Christianity has Europe under its thumb. Um, during the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church pretty much controls everything and everybody, and somehow, over the centuries, Christianity had has transformed from this downtrodden faith to this tyrant. And the church had took it upon itself to see that any other beliefs were squashed out before they could pose a challenge. Thankfully, but also unfortunately, there were three major events that happened during the Middle Ages that would ultimately weaken the grip of the church and open up a path for esotericism. The first was the Crusades. The Crusades was all about the church showing the Middle East how tough it was. Aside from all the various atrocities committed in the name of religion and the rampant manipulation of the lower classes, the Crusades did do something great. And what that was was bring people together. Now, of course, those people were bent on killing each other in the most brutal ways, but nevertheless, through bloodshed, Europe and the Middle East shared ideas. So at this time, the Islamic caliphates were at, top, at the top of the science game. They had made tons of discoveries in math, science, and astronomy, and thus they had a greater understanding of the universe. So what would happen when we combine these great scientific discoveries with a little bit of Christian guilt and superstition? 
we find the perfect storm for esoteric development. But let's not stop there because we got two other events that really sweeten the esoteric pot during the Middle Ages. The second major event in the Middle Ages that was also a bummer was the Black Death. During the outbreak of the Black Death, almost one-third of Europe's population had, was wiped out, and no one had ever seen anything like this. And what was more terrifying is that no one knew why this was happening. Obviously, people turned religion and superstition to protect them, but folks figured out that the church really couldn't help them. And so they started seeking answers and protection down these other esoteric back alleys. The third and final important event for esotericism in the Middle Ages was the invention of the printing press. Thankfully, no more death here. With the invention of the printing press, people were able to distribute their new ideas and philosophies more efficiently and effectively, and knowledge and information of all sorts began to expand very, very quickly. This is very important for esoteric philosophers because now they can more efficiently and effectively share their ideas with like-minded folks and also recruit other folks to um, engage in their practices or their ideas. So thanks to two really horrible events and the printing press, esotericism was not only able to survive the heavy hand of the Catholic Church, it was able to grow. And during the Middle Ages, we see esoteric beliefs like Kabbalah, which is a mystic form of Judaism, and Sufism, a mystic form of Islam, develop, among many more. While the development of the printing press was great for esotericism, it was also great for the world. And its invention is a huge reason that humankind gets launched into its next phase of existence, which is, of course, the Renaissance. During the Renaissance, things get really exciting for esotericism. If we think back to our spectrum of human thought, religion has made huge advances and science has just kind of been slowly trotting along. But during this time, science really begins to grow. New scientific discoveries were changing how people understood the universe and their place within it. And this was astounding for esoteric philosophers because they were looking at life and death and philosophy with a whole new lens, and the church was not happy about that. It was quickly becoming evident that science was contradicting the teachings of church and promoting heresy, and religious leaders were not going to stand for it. So during this time, esotericism grows, but it's also forced underground. It's in the Renaissance that we see um, esoteric groups forming secret societies, which is now a major characteristic and stereotype of esotericism. During the Renaissance, we see secret societies like the Philadelphian Society and the Rosicrucians and the modern roots of the Freemasons all develop. When we step forward into the 18th century, we see that religion begins to lose the fight for human souls. While religion and faith are still important, science really declares itself the winner in the Enlightenment and that opens a whole new world for esotericism. So during the 18th century, citizens are now more educated than ever before, and the holds that religion held over societies and governments is weakened substantially by information and logic. And for the first time, it's not only legal, but it's cool to explore esoteric ideas. During the Victorian era, it became popular for the wealthy and the upper class to dabble in spiritualism 
and popular figures like Arthur Conan Doyle, Charles Dickens, and even Abe Lincoln all explored esoteric ideas of the time. In the 19th and early 20th century, esotericism moves from being uh, a fad in the upper class to permeating all social classes as education and information become more readily available and religion loses what weakening grip it had on society. In the early 20th centuries, we see groups um, rise up that have come to define the term esotericism. So it's around that time that Aleister Crowley founds Thelma, Madame Blotsky and Alice Bailey found Theosophy, and branches of science to implement esoteric ideas and philosophies were becoming recognized. The most prominent of these um, scientific esoteric idealists was, of course, Carl Jung, whose ideas have had a profound impact on our society and our culture and our philosophy in the modern era. By the mid-20th century, esotericism had become so ingrained in Western culture that it was becoming the foundation for major political, cultural, and social movements of the time. For example, the Thule Society that was founded in the early 20th century became the foundation for Nazi ideology and Nazi mysticism in the 30s. In the 1960s, esotericism played a huge part in the counterculture, and out of the counterculture we see branches of esotericism that are more familiar to us, like neo-paganism, Wicca, and New Age. Also during the 20th century, esotericism evolves to look even more like science. So the psychedelic revolution that was led by uh, Timothy Leary and Terence McKenna, all those guys are esoteric in nature because, again, what their goal is is to interact with a spiritual dimension through science. It's really hard to imagine our world without esoteric ideologies. Uh, now, I mean, obviously, these ideas are still not mainstream, but they play a huge part in our global and social consciousness, and they're ingrained within us. And when we look at the entirety of esotericism, um, it really makes one want to predict how this thought form is going to evolve next, which is obviously very difficult to do. You know, if we are using faith and science to judge how esotericism will evolve, we are definitely seeing changes in those two things right now. Um, today, there's a, a very steep decline in doctrinal faith and an exponential growth in science and technology. Um, now, that can mean two things. Could that mean that science in the future may try to stamp out esotericism because maybe it labels it as illogical? Or will increased scientific discoveries just give us more questions uh, whose answers that we try to find with esotericism? It's really difficult to say. Regardless of where esotericism goes, I, I think that it has played a crucial part in our development as humans and really shouldn't be overlooked when exploring the development of human thought. After learning about esotericism, I really have a greater appreciation for it. I like that esoteric philosophers were brave enough to set out on their own and try and understand life and death on their own terms. I think there's something very noble in that. Alright, we're keeping things short 
this episode, and I know that this was just a quick and dirty overview of esotericism, but if you're looking for more, I would definitely recommend checking out the work of Antoine Favre and Wouter Heingraf. They are professionals on the subject of esotericism, and their work has supplied me with a lot of information for this episode. Looking ahead, over the next few weeks, we're going to be getting intimate with several different esoteric ideologies in detail to see if they have anything to offer us for our own esoteric exploration. Next episode, we will be checking out Gnosticism, which is kind of like the punk rock of Judaism and Christianity, and I hope that you guys will be listening. Please follow the show on Twitter or shoot me an email. I love hearing your thoughts on these concepts and sharing new ideas and philosophies. Uh, the link for the, my Twitter and my email will be in the show notes. As always, please remember to be hopeful, stay positive, and tell somebody that you love them. Until next time, my friends. Bye.